Well, good evening. Here we are. Um, are you sure you're not going to lead any music for us tonight? <laughs> no. no. Anybody else? All right, I tried handing the mic off to <clears throat> Craig here about five minutes ago. And I got, got nowhere fast with that, so... Uh, let's go ahead and turn to him, uh, him. Let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter six tonight. <clears throat> I think we're going to turn to a lot of scripture tonight, or a number, probably about a dozen. I'm going to start in Matthew chapter six. And I will do my best not to drag this material out. So I don't know if this is going to go for twenty or thirty minutes or fifty or sixty, but I don't think it will go that length. So Matthew chapter six and in verse thirty-four. This is kind of the point of where we're going to go tonight. Matthew six thirty-four, Christ speaking here, Jesus says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow or for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Let's read that again. Take Therefore, no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Let's pray. Lord, as we go through this idea tonight, as we push through these scriptures, I just pray that um, that we would see the, see the answer through you, and that um, if we're fighting any of these battles or no those that are fighting these battles, that we could be an encouragement to them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We were driving to church on Sunday, just a couple of days ago. And um, Sharon started telling of what Monday was going to be. And she had a big Monday. She had three things that she needed to get done and she was thinking about them and she was replaying them and she was worried about them or concerned about them or insecure about them or enough to where she kept reiterating, well, I've got to do this. And then after I do that, I got to go that, but I have to do this first and I should probably go there first. And this went on from about the YMCA up to Costco. And I don't think that way. Um, When I have those moments with me, I don't like thinking that way, so I quickly adapt, find the solution, and answer the questions myself, because I don't like that running rent-free in my head. And so I thought for a moment I would help her move beyond this. And so I says, the one thing you have to do tomorrow, do do you know how to do that? Yes. Do you have everything it takes to do that? Yes. Do you have time enough to get that done? Yes. Have you done it before? Yes. Are you confident you can do it? Yes. Okay, the second place. Well, the second place. You've done that before, right? Yes. Uh, you know how to do it? Yes. You, you have time to do it? Yes. you have any reason to believe that you can't do it? No. No. Okay. The third one. Oh, and she said something about getting coffee between one and two. So she's excited about the coffee part. Good. So she's going to get coffee. And I said, well, that's great, because then clearly you'll be able to do number three, right? You'll be able to do that third thing, and you've done that one before, right? And and you you know how to do it, yes. You you have everything it takes to get it done, yes. You've, you've done it before, yes. Went through the same series of questions, yes, 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 yes. I said, so 
So what happens if you don't get the coffee? Will you still be able to do the third one? Yeah, I think I can do it. you have any reason to believe you can't do all of that in one day? No. So she knows she can do it. She has a history of doing it. She has imprinted positive images about doing all of that, adds in the coffee, so it's going to be like a bonus. And I said, so I have every reason to believe that you can do this. And she says, yeah, but I... And, and then she threw on, yeah, but I... Blah, 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 blah. And, and, and I'm just going, why the yeah, but I? Right, Why? Why does that have to be there? She has every reason to believe, and I'm not picking on her, but it was it was what ultimately hit me Monday night as I was trying to prepare for this. I'd read scripture after scripture trying to figure out what, where this wanted to go. I read the stuff that I like to read. I, I read on beyond the stuff that I like to read, see if the story went further. I was trying to usually have a something that's burdened or something that's on my mind or heart, and, and I was empty Sunday night. I didn't have something strong on Monday, and um, Monday at work, this is what happened, or Monday afternoon, this started, and I thought, okay, let's, let's see where this goes, and, and what I can't believe is just how much we let garbage run rent-free in our head. By the way, uh, the three things that needed to be accomplished on Wednesday that she was concerned and or worried. I'm going to throw the word worried about. I don't think worry's enough there, but I'm going to say that word. She was kind of worried about. Ultimately, one of those three things didn't even happen. So that was running rent-free, owning her mind, and it happened more than once during the day because it came up later again. And I'm not trying to be mean to her because it had a great outcome. Ultimately, what happened was is she, one of those didn't happen, of the worst one that could happen, the worst thing that could have happened at the worst one didn't even happen, and she got her coffee. So it all turned out, it all turned out just fine. But that didn't, but what still happened is that she still, that still ran through her mind for a period of time. And, and I wonder just how much worry and concern and insecurity that we haul around all the time that we put there. And why do we put it there? Why do we allow it there? What is the, why, why is that there? Why do we let that stuff run around in our head? And I was reminded of this, uh, today's Wednesday. I was reminded of this Tuesday. We have a gal that I work with that every single time something comes up, she has one, two, three, four, why we can't do it. This is in the way. And she's nervous and she's worried. And I mean, I mean, hour by hour, she's concerned about stuff that she, she shouldn't even be concerned about. And I'm just going, why do you live like that? About 25 years ago, and I was thinking about this last night, about 25 years ago, I walked into my living room one afternoon and the TV was on and Oprah was on TV. I don't, it was on. I don't know if it was being watched, but it was on. And when the TV's on, I'm one of those guys, and she wrote, I'm just glued to that thing, and so I have to be careful. But it was on, and, and she was having another compelling story about another thing that was really important. And, and she was telling America how important this was and how, how much we needed to fix or solve or get behind or recognize or whatever. And she was being passionate and compelling in her argument. And I can remember looking at that. And I said, I probably even said it out loud, you know what, Oprah? I don't care. And 
it, it, it dawned on me, if I wanted to care about the thing she was talking about, I couldn't care. I, I, there was no way I could do anything to help fix, solve, resolve, or be a part of what she thought was important. But the idea of I don't care made me realize what I define as care. I work in the health care industry. And I'll be quite frank, there isn't a lot of care that goes on in the health care industry. We do a lot of disease management. We do a lot of scheduling and we're a lot of busyness, but the vast majority of us really don't provide any care. We, we do a bunch of things, but care isn't a very big part of it. And I got to thinking about that word care, and I've got my own definition of it, and, and care to me is something that you do. When you care for someone or you care about something, you'll do something about it. I remember Butch Paquin said when I was a teenager, if you really cared, you'd do something about it. And and I thought, this is a tool that allows me to sort things out. And when I realize that I can't care, if something bad happens tonight in a town far away and I learn of it, I can't care. By definition, I can't do anything to provide care. And when I realized that, it made me really rethink priorities. And it was a way to sort stuff out. And and it was a way to manage that nonsense that goes on in my mind. Right? How you'd be concerned about something. And and it would prop up and, and you'd have these intrusive thoughts that would come in and it would bubble up and then take over. And you would let that run through your mind. And I'm going, wait a minute, I can't I can't do anything about that. And it it really manifested it at times. I'm going, well, I just don't care. And I have to be careful that that idea doesn't turn into a apathetic, pejorative dismissal that I don't care. And I don't mean to use it that way, but it really was an effective way to sort out the garbage in life that you can't care about. Now, does that mean you can't pray for situations that are difficult? You can't you can't uh, um, petition the Lord on someone's behalf. No, you can still do that. And by the way, that is providing care. But there's not a lot you can do for stuff that's not around you. And when I when I embraced that, it it really did change my outlook on how I spent my time, what I thought about, and what I did. Move that forward a couple of years, and. Uh, I, at that time in my life, I, uh, I still work in pharmacy, but at that time in my life, I was, I, I was a contract. I would just go here and cover a day or two or three, and I would go here and I would go there. And for all the names and pharmacies that you've heard around, I've worked at just about all of them. I've worked at about 300 different pharmacies. And you go in and work a shift or two, and then you go to that town or this place or that clinic or that hospital, and, and I did all of that. And I happened to be working up in Longview at a really, really busy store up there. And... I pushed myself at work. I wanted to make sure that the work got done. I hustled. I was efficient. I did what could be done to get everything done. And I strove, strived, did to to make sure that it got done. Pick a word. It was one of them. (laughs) And I can remember it was coming up on 7 o'clock and it was time to go home that night. And I looked around and we we were done. All the stuff that needed to be done that I could do was done. The printer had labels. The prescriptions were filled. This was all filed. That was taken care of. Nobody was standing in line. And I said, man, it looks like we're done. 
It was, it was about, it was within 15 or 20 minutes of closing. And we were done. Now, they, the store closed at 9. I was going home at 7. But I looked around and I said, we're done. And in that moment, I realized, but what I can't see is there's people coming to the store right now. They're en route out there, wherever they are in Lewis County, Collins County, they're coming my way. And when they get here, I'm going to have to do that. And that's when I realized that I'm never done. You never get done. In a service industry, you're never done. There's always work to do. There's always work that will be done. And I realized that, well, if I can't get done, then then what is the end? What What is the purpose? If we're never done, it's just... And it made me think, okay, then I have to restructure my priorities. So when I go do something now or I go to work, some, I don't ever think I'm going to get done. That's gone. That that idea is gone. So I just work as hard as I can, do what I can. And when time's up, I'm done. I just go home. That's when, when I'm done. It's when the clock strikes time to go home time. That's when I'm done. And I realized that you're never done. The idea of being done with any task largely doesn't exist. Honestly, are you ever done with the dishes? No. By the way, if you could get done with the dishes and they were all clean and they were all in the cupboard or whatever, by the way, should I go into this? I'm not going to go, Sharon's just shook her head, no. Even if they're back in the cupboard and all the silverware's in the drawer in the nice little slot, even if you are done, as soon as you need whatever, you're, you're back to zero. So the idea of being done with the dishes should just go away. You're never done. You do this much... You do this much, and tomorrow you do that again, and tomorrow you do that again. This idea of done is just is insane. Why? What, what, where's the payoff? Being done? What about laundry? Ever done with the laundry? Is the, is the yard work ever done? No, none of this stuff is ever done. And yet we will worry about getting it done. We will be concerned about getting it done, and it can't get done. There's no such thing as done. And man, when I got the I don't care down, and I got the it's never going to get done down, it was the most liberating. I, I embraced it the very next day. We're not going to get done. So what, what can we do? We still need to do, but there's just no done. And it changed the way. It changed my... It, there was no pressure anymore to get all of this done. The pressure was gone. That that clock, that whatever in your head that says, go, go, do, do, finish, finish. This has to be done. done that got turned off. And when... All of that garbage and pressure and fret or anxiety or worry or concern got turned off. I have to tell you, that was one of the most liberating experiences. Going to work the next day realizing, hey, well, I don't care. That doesn't get done. I'm just going to do what I can. And all of a sudden, all that intrusive garbage that comes your way was gone. And it was... It was, it, it changed. It changed the way I worked. It changed the way I dealt with people. I didn't automatically make someone else's problem mine. I sized it up differently, right? I'll help this situation at work as far as I reasonably can, but I'm not going to take that on. I don't care that much. It created a boundary. And that, that didn't mean I dismissed people and I used this new idea to dismiss and, and, uh, and uh, what's that other word I'm trying to think of and I can't um, distance myself. It, it was just a better way 
to guard my mind against all the garbage. And I thought, man, this is, this is nice. And everybody I work with knows this about me. Everybody knows, everybody knows this, this means Dan's pushing the button. Just, nope, I don't care. That it doesn't matter. Do whatever you need to do with that. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. You just do that. Well, what, but what if, what if, what if? I don't care. And I mean it. I don't mean it in a bad way, but that's your decision to make. I don't care. Um, and it, it, it's, it's amazing how much that has changed uh, the ability for me to get along with people. that We're well, not get along with, but just work with other people. Because um, they know I'm not going to get mad. They know I'm not going to get upset. They know that I can only do what I can do. This is all the work that can get done. And I thought, I thought, this is so amazing. Now you add on to that the fact that I have a belief in God, that the future is God's, that I'm taken care of, right? I'm held in his hand. It, it's if you embrace this, it's it's absolutely liberating. And I understand all the people that I work with don't have this. I take a nap at work. Here comes lunch. I eat for seven minutes. I pull out the cot in the server room. I lay down and take a nap. I go to sleep. My mind turns off. Why? I don't care. I don't have to get all of this done. T- took a nap today. And I wonder why people hold on to all of this junk and let that own their, own their mind for as long as that, it goes on. And so as I thought about the conversation I had with Sharon and I thought about how this has changed me, well, well how, does, how, does this fit in, how does this fit into Scripture? Because clearly God, God's not the author of fear. God, does, God doesn't want us to fear. It doesn't take long reading through Proverbs and Psalms to find out that's clearly not where he wants us. So let's turn over to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read a little bit here. Philippians chapter 4. Let's start in verse 4. Philippians 4, 4, we'll read a few of these. Philippians 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, Rejoice. You know what? Kind of hard to worry when you're rejoicing. If you're truly rejoicing, all that's gone. It's gone. You can't be fearful and rejoice at the same time. I'm going to get back to this later, but you can only consciously think of one thing at a time. And if you can concentrate and and do that one thing, all the rest of it goes away while you're doing that one thing. Verse 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation isn't a word that shows up a lot in Scripture. Moderate means to be, we all know what moderate means. It means not to be on the extremes, right? In, in my line of work, we, we have a way of defining pain rather arbitrarily. We call it mild, moderate, and severe. Moderate's in the middle, right? Moderate means your, 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 your emotions aren't all over the place. You don't have these highs and these lows. You aren't emotionally incontinent, I think is something the pastor said. Your moderate by the way, make that made known unto men. Look at let your moderation be known unto all men. All men should know that you're a moderate. 
you're, you're moderate in your conversation, in the way you deal with people, in the way you act, the way you converse. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. This word careful means a modern definition, and not only modern, but a, a modern use of the word careful would be be worried or be anxious for nothing, but the exact opposite. But in everything, notice the difference between nothing and everything. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. To be careful, the opposite of being careful and being worried and being anxious and allowing all this garbage to float around in your mind and, and live there rent-free and run your, run your decisions, the opposite of that is to be prayerful and thankful. And let your requests be made known unto God. The opposite of being careful or worried or anxious is making requests unto God. That's the opposite of it. So when you find yourself in that place, the opposite is a conversation with God, a thankful conversation with God. Um, and, and this almost comes off like a command. I mean, I mean, this is, this is pretty straightforward. There isn't a lot of uh, wiggle room here when he says, be careful for nothing. What's the subject in that sentence? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? What's the subject in verse 6? You be careful for nothing. This is, this is borderline a commandment from God. You're commanded to not worry or be anxious. And if you live in an anxious, worried state all the time, I, mean, I contend that's against uh, what God would like you to be or God would like you to do. And, and, and this isn't the only place in Scripture that this gets mentioned. Let's jump over to the book of John, John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 1. We can, many of us can quote this one. Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. Jesus said this. Let not your heart be troubled. Troubled is the next step past careful. Anxiety and worry is, is that troubled kind of has a fear component in it. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be fearful. Believe in God. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Let's turn to uh, uh, Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Have not I commanded thee? Have not have I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Um, since, since, since God uses the word command here, I'm going to follow up and say I think this is a command of God. Be not, be strong, 
be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. This is a commandment that we're not to be there. It it doesn't get much clearer or plainer than this. Let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. So in case you just think this shows up one time, it doesn't. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8. And the Lord, he is, I'm sorry, and the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, be not dismayed. Um, pretty straightforward. We got no business being in the fear business, in the worry business, in the careful business, in the trouble business. It's clear we're not supposed to be there. But we get there, don't we? We do. Um, simple stuff gets us there. And, and it shouldn't be. And, and there's a way not to be there. I will tell you this. That is going to happen. And you can take comfort in a lot of things that God provides. And there's a whole list of ways that God provides comfort. There's a whole list. You don't have to read through Psalms and Proverbs very long to find comfort in the Word. You don't. I've picked out a few, and I want to look at a few of these. What I really want to drill down on is we're not supposed to be there. There's ways to deal with it in the present, right? There's, there's, and I'm going to read some, some scripture here that is very comforting. We are going to be in situations that we don't think we're in control of or we find ourselves or we weren't prepared for, and all of a sudden there is worry, there's trepidation, there's fretting, there's troublingness, there's carefulness. Let's turn over to Psalm 34. But, but what do you do when you find yourself there? Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. Remember early on we read that verse in Philippians, and I said it compared, be careful for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, give thanks. Let your request be, known, let your request be made known unto God. You seek, one of the ways you seek God is in prayer. And and there's the answer. He delivered me from all my fears. Psalm 86. eighty-six Psalm, verse 7. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33, the last verse in the chapter. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. I like that word quiet because, you know, when uh, that 
quiet or stillness, that calmness is found here. I like the use of the word quiet there. Hebrews chapter 13. I think we're looking at a couple verses here. Hebrews 13. I mean, we, we, we know this one. The last half of verse 5, Hebrews 13, verse 5, the last half, it says, For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Verse 6, so that, we, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Clearly, God can battle this fear for you, but, but you have to access it. You have to ask for it. You have to seek it. Over in that first verse, I think it was in Psalm, and I will I sought the Lord. Um, it, it's it's incumbent upon you to move through this fear. It's incumbent upon you to 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 understand this anxiety and and seek the Lord. I mean, it 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 isn't just you can know all of this, but you you have to be able to access it. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Psalm 56, verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I mean... The, the the one of the handful of things you can genuinely trust in is the Lord. Right? There's friends, your spouse you can trust. But but you can always you can always trust the Lord. I mean the beautiful thing about having the scripture is you always have this pure and honest reference. And uh when there's garbage and chaos and there's always <laughs> you have something that's honest and true and, and you can and you can trust in the Lord. John chapter 14. Two more. John chapter 14. Uh, Verses 25 and 6. John 14, 25 and 6. Once again, Jesus speaking here. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. This is one of those situations like I spoke about on Sunday night. Can you imagine standing there talking face to face with Jesus? And he reminds you, he looks at you and he says, these things have I spoken unto you being yet present with you. I mean, he reminded you, he reminded who he was speaking to here that I have spoken to you about this before. It's just a subtle reminder. Um, and it just seems so casual yet so powerful. Verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, 
neither let it be afraid. This is Christ himself saying this. This is, this is where we need to be in this, in this peaceful place without all the garbage intrusion that we put in there. And if, if you find yourself being worried about stupid stuff, this isn't a place that you ever need to be. Christ clearly doesn't want us there, and yet so often we almost default there. I mean, just, just imagine driving down the road and coming up on a roundabout. When you come up on a roundabout, do you, do you get worried? Is there any part of you that goes, oh, here's a roundabout? Come on. It's a roundabout. Cars go roundabout. You've driven through hundreds of them. You haven't been in a wreck yet. Probably never will. And yet every time, oh, here's a roundabout. What if that, what if, what he's, he's going too fast. And that, why? But, but that's simple. When, when, when you allow that, that's not moderation. When you allow the simplest things to take over, oh, here's some, I got to merge in the fast lane. Oh, there's a long line at the grocery store. The phone's ringing. Oh, it happens to me at work. I have to just go, wait a minute, Dan. One thing at a time. I don't care how, the, how, how many times the phone rings. I can only answer one call at a time. Only answer one question at a time. Only do one thing at a time. Check the box. There's a process. Get back on the process one at a time. The reality is, though, it's coming, isn't it? Those stressful moments, that anxiety's coming. That troubling time is coming. And um, I want you to see how little Christ thinks we should worry. This, this next passage of Scripture couldn't sum this whole, whole topic any better. Let's go over to Matthew chapter, 20, Matthew chapter 6. This is part of the Scripture we opened with, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25 is what we're going to read here. We're going to read about a dozen of these, not 25. Uh, verse 25, Matthew six twenty-five. Therefore, I say unto you, once again, Christ speaking, take no thought for your life. You know what that means? Don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Don't elevate this to an anxious position. It says, take no thought. Like, be careful for nothing. Take no thought for your life. What shall you eat or what shall drink? Nor yet for your body, what you shall put on it. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Isn't your life more than just eating? Isn't your body more than just hanging clothes on it? Do you fret about, oh, what am I going to wear? Oh, we've got this thing coming up. What am I going to wear? Oh, I need, do I have a pair of shoes for that? I mean, literally, we worry at times, some of us, about what clothes we're going to wear for an event six months from now. And it comes up and it comes up and it comes up and we thumb through our phone and we get online and we go to the store and we look for that thing or those shoes or that whatever we need to buy for that event in the future and we worry about it and we take time over it. And, and, and Christ literally says, take no thought for this. Verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, 
nor gather into barns? Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? How much can you worry and grow up? How much can you worry and actually get taller or affect your body in any way through worry or concern or fretting or how much can you, you can't. And yet we do. And why take ye thought for raiment? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? I mean, he is, he is touching the, the most base necessities of life. We worry about, oh, come on, do we even have to go there? The little stuff that we worry about. Oh, we go to that restaurant. Oh, they don't, they don't, they don't have the ranch dressing that I like. I don't, oh, should we go there? What time is it? We don't have time. If, if we don't get there before this time, that means we're going to have to wait. Pizza's going to have to. We don't. I mean, seriously, we do that. I've done that. And and that is what we allow to live rent free in our mind. Wherefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, of all these things. So he's talking about the base needs of everything. But then what does he follow up in verse 33? Something we misquote all the time. But this is where it's, this is what it means. But seek ye first, but in in light of what I just said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You notice how back in Psalms it said, and he sought thee. Seek God. Uh, turn toward God. Ask God. There's a, there's, a, there's a solution to this anxiety, and you have to seek God. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. We've got no place, no time to give to worry and fret and troublingness and fear. We really don't. If if you live, if we live in a constant state of worry or fret or concern or over um, what's the other half of that word? I don't know. That that is not of God. We read where you're commanded not to be afraid. If you live in this, you're, you're actually going against the will of God. If you actively engage, persistently engage in this type of mindset. But you know what? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. What do you do about that? If, if we know we're not supposed to, God will comfort us. God has shown us that we're not supposed to be fearful. We're supposed to be... We're supposed to um, be careful for nothing, and yet we find ourselves there. How do we get there? We know that we can seek God. We know that we can ask God, but but you can have a, a leaky faucet and a pair of pliers in your hand, and if you don't know how to use the pliers or you've never done it before, how do you keep the faucet from leaking? The pliers are right there. 
the faucet's leaking, you know that these will fix that. How do you make that happen? Because you're going to find yourself there. And, and in, there is no better, um, there's no better picture of this, in my opinion, than one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Turn over to Luke. <clears throat> Turn over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Story of Mary and Martha. Right? You've heard me talk about this before. Mary and Martha. Christ is out doing what he does. He's got a group of people with him. He's got his disciples. He's got his followers. He's got his groupies. He's got people following him around. He ends up in this little village, not a big town, in a village. Got a bunch of people with him. And he shows up at a gal's house named Martha. Martha has a sister named Mary. And the reason we know that, it it says it right here in Scripture. Um, (laughs) Let's look at... uh, Verse 38, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. Martha was cumbered about much serving. The reason I'm sticking in on cumbered here, it's different than what he addresses. So she is cumbered. She's weighted down. She's busy. She's working with much serving. My guess, don't know, my guess, this probably involved a bunch of food. Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, with her finger out, wagging back and forth in front of all these people because it's her house, right? Lord, dost thou not care? I can almost see her chanting those words, right? Dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I can't imagine accusing Christ of anything. But to stand up and do it publicly, I mean, I still think he has the zot power. Do you understand that? He can zot you dead. Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And this is what Jesus said. It's so cool. It's just so subtle and nice and strong and assertive. He said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Notice he didn't say cumbered. He said, thou art careful and troubled about many things. He didn't address the fact that she was doing all the work. She, he knew what was going on between her ears. She, he knew that all that garbage was living rent-free in her head. He saw that and said, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, colon, but one thing is needful. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And I think Mary has chosen it. And Mary hath chosen that good part. Mary hath chosen. You have to realize that you choose what's going on in your head. You have control over your thoughts. You do. You make that up, right? Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Whatever you're committed to, that's what your thoughts are. You have that choice. You get to pick. When intrusive thoughts come in, how do you get them out? Well, there's a bunch of intrusive thoughts going into Martha's head here, right? Thou art careful and troubled about many things. But what is the technique? But one thing is needful. All that stuff, but one thing is needful. Your conscious mind can only do one 
thing at a time. And when you're overloaded, think about one thing that you can do. Mary chose the right thing. You get to choose. Those thoughts that you have that just overload you, I'm worried about this and this and this and the car and the kids. I can remember, kid, people can't remember when I was, my teenagers uh, got their driver's license. Oh, I'm going to drive and fearful and careful. You know what I did? Cut a check, got the insurance, gave them the keys. Go. I'm done. That's on the insurance company now. I'm done. I don't worry anymore. She did, but I didn't. There's the keys. There's the car. Insurance is paid. Go. They got a phone. They know how to get around. It'll be fine. Guess what? It's fine. It's been, what, 10 years or so? It's fine. Have they wrecked? Yeah. So what? It's fine. I I just quit worrying about it. Now, Sharon can't, and that's fine. She's a mom. She's a mom. But one thing is needful. That's That's the ticket. That's the point that you step off. One thing is needful. You can do one thing. You can do one thing at a time. It's, it's the choice that you get to make. This anxiety is coming. That event is coming. You're going to get worried and, and, and careful and troubled about many things. But you can do one thing. You can always do one thing. It, I started off talking about a conversation that Sharon and I had. About can you do this? Can you do this? If you've been successful at it before, remind yourself that you are successful at it before. If you've used the Lord, if you've used anything, if you've gotten past or through or beyond that once before, dial that up. Oh, I've done this. I've done this before. That's right. I forgot. Okay, it's not fun. But but all of a sudden, it, the focus comes in and all the garbage goes away. You can do one thing. You're going to get there. You're going to be fearful. You're going to get worried. What one thing can you do right there? You get to choose that one thing. Yeah, I understand that I'm taking this concept somewhat out of context, but the process is still there. She was careful and troubled about many things, but one thing was needful. One thing was. I talked to you have to have trust in the Lord. But but he also empowers you with the mind. And his scripture, okay, there's comfort here. The Lord will help me through this. If I seek him, I can do that. I can do that one thing, right? I can do that one thing. If, if it's a simple takeaway, is what one thing can I do? Well, I, yeah, I can pray. You know, you know what else you can do? There's three or four steps to this, but the first thing you have to understand is, is you have to be humble. You have to be humbled to know that, okay, this is here. I need to recognize that I'm here. I need to serve the Lord. I need to do this one thing at a time. Let's look over at um, at First Peter chapter five. I, I cannot stress how powerful that little tiny Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, colon, but one thing is needful. I can't tell you how powerful that is. That he gave that very example. I mean, he couldn't have spelled it out any clearer. Careful and troubled about many things. There is nothing. That's exactly what I've described tonight. Your mind is just being overrun and careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. First Peter chapter 5. A couple more here and I'm done. First, people, first Peter chapter 5. And verse 5. First Peter 5, 5. There's Second Peter. I bet if I go back this way, I'll find First Peter. Likewise, um, First Peter. 
Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself unto the elder, yea, all of you subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. There is a certain amount of humility that's required to understand, okay, I'm in a place that I don't need to be. God doesn't want me here. I don't want to be here. Recognizing that. Being humble about that. Let's zip through. Um, not zip. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. For he careth for you. Casting your care, your troubles, your worry, your anxiety, because he cares. Two variations of the same word. I just love that. Be sober, vigilant. Verse 9, verse 10. But the God of grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. When that chaos is there, that's what you want. You want God to establish, to strengthen, and to settle you. What do you tell your kids when they're all wound up? Settle down. That settling is part of that reduction of anxiety and the and the um, care that he talks about in verse 7. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Boy, isn't that isn't that good? Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Remember I said you commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts will be established. That, 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 that Those thoughts aren't your mental thought. It's that core heart um, foundation. Those are your thoughts. That's what, that's what guides you. And the peace of God, and the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called one body, and be ye thankful. It's the same word. It's this humbleness. It's this trust in God that that's where the comfort comes from. Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4, and we'll, and we'll finish it up there. Philippians chapter 4. I only read part of this last time. I want to read it all now. This is coming. Anxiety is coming. Fear is coming. Worry is coming. Anxiousness is coming. Well, what's going to happen if? You don't know the answer to something, so you're worried about it. Does God already know the answer? God already knows the answer. So if he already knows the answer, it's incumbent upon us to wait for that answer to come, to seek that answer, not your own, but to seek what God has. And when you, when you realize that the, it's already been written or largely already been written, you just need to line up with what's coming. A lot of prayer is to line up with what God has for you. Philippians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 5, that your moderation be known. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. And what happens if you be careful for nothing? Let your requests be made known unto God. And then verse 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That heart and mind, isn't that where all that fear, isn't where all that trouble stands? That isn't there if the peace of God is there. 
You humble yourself. You seek God. And then look at verse number eight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. If your mind is there, that garbage can't be there. If your mind can only do one thing at a time, make it do one thing at a time. If you make your mind do one thing at a time because you choose that, right? Mary chose the right thing to do. Martha's mind was filled with that garbage. Mary's had one thing. If you choose to make your mind do one thing, humble yourself, pray, trust God, and basically meditate on this, that fear, that anxiety, that being carefulness in the wrong sense, if you will, is gone. It is absolutely amazing to employ that when you need it. I can't tell you how effective it is. It works over and over. It works every time I need it. And I know, and now if you use it a while, now you know you have that. Now you know how to adjust the channel locks to the right. Now you know how far to choke up on the handle so you don't crush the fitting or strip the fitting. You, you know, right, Bob? You know how far down to hold the channel locks, how far to keep them open. You have the tool. Now you know how to use it. But one thing is needful, and Mary chose that one thing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I'm thankful tonight for this, this simple lesson of battling anxiety and fear. Lord, I just pray that it was helpful to those that are here and it'll be helpful when they need to share that with someone else that's battling this. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Bless us as we go. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.